Well, good morning, everyone. It's me, Dave McMahon. Welcome to Unleashed on 4680Q.ca, also on 4680Q.com, broadcasting out of our Niagara Falls studio in the downtown core. Happy you're here with me. And if we're meeting for the very first time, I'm the owner of Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy in Niagara Falls. I'm also the owner of Betty, a nine-month-old yellow Labrador retriever that's keeping me on my toes. So for those that have a lab, or if you've owned a lab in the past, of course you'll know that they're lots of fun to work with as puppies and very energetic. Our podcast today is brought to you by Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing, doing a great job keeping our vehicles protected year-round. Contact Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing for your vehicle rust proofing needs. And... Without delay, my guest on today's program, Leslie Bencina. Leslie is from the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. We've got lots to talk about. There are people that never even knew that there was an animal blood bank, but thank God there is so much to talk about. And welcome to my podcast, Leslie. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, this isn't the first time we've put our magnificent personalities and charm and heads together to broadcast. Um, we have uh, we've had the pleasure of chatting you and I in person when you spoke to apprentices of mine and instructors at the Dog Academy, um, giving them information about Canadian Animal Blood Bank. They really enjoyed your guest speaking appearance at my academy, so thank you again for that. And it was always a pleasure to have you on the 610 CKTB Dog Talk Radio Show with me in the past, talking about upcoming uh, blood donor clinics that people can take their dog to. So it's, it's awesome. But before we do the deep dive into the, uh, the uh, animal blood bank, if we could chat a bit about yourself. Uh, so tell our audience a bit about yourself. Uh, I know you're a big-time animal lover. I know that you have a, an extensive background uh, working with animals, and I know that you own a horse or horses. Let's start with the horses, if we may. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So um, I have been involved with animals basically all of my life from owning them. Um, I started riding horses when I was in grade five. Um, And I do have a horse currently. I've had him for 22 years. Um, So not getting rid of him anytime soon. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I've loved animals all my entire life, and I've ridden horses for a really long time, worked with horses as a registered vet tech, um, as well as uh, people's domestic pets that they have living at their home. That's right. Educational-wise, you're a registered vet tech, and you've worked within the Niagara region at various different uh, veterinary hospitals. Yes. So I've worked all over Niagara. I've worked um, at some large uh, referral hospitals in Toronto, um, some general practices in Toronto as a registered veterinary technician. Uh, So before becoming the regional unit manager for Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Um, So I've experienced... Uh, a lot of sick pets. I've worked in, in the ICU. I've worked in ER. Um, I've also worked in different uh, actual specialties. So I know the need for blood product. I've seen it used and I've seen the demand for it. So it, it, my background also plays a role in what I do now. Definitely. Well, what about your dogs? You've got some personal pets. Uh, you've got your horse, of course, and you've got some dogs. Tell us about your dogs. My dogs. So I have a uh, 
a nine-year-old Pomeranian uh, named Eli, who um, he, I, I got him as a puppy. Um, he had two broken legs and they needed to be fixed. So that's how I got him. Uh, I adopted last November a senior lab. Um, well, yeah, I think he's a lab mix, but I'm not sure his age, but he's probably around 10 or 12. And then recently I just adopted a dog in March named Snickers, who's a 14-year-old toy poodle um, whose owner passed away, so he needed a home. So now he comes and he lives with me and my crew at my house. Oh, I love the name Snickers. It is my favorite chocolate bar as well, but perfect name for a dog. Well, he's a he's like chocolate poodle, so it makes sense. <laughs> And, you know, speaking of poodles, Leslie, you know that there are people walking around out there in the real world saying and believing that they owned a French poodle. And I tell them there are three types of poodles, toy, miniature, and standard. So any chance I get to educate someone, I simply cannot take the teacher hat off when it comes to things like that. I say, you had a French poodle, did you? But I don't want to burst their bubble. Uh, you yeah, know. but was the French poodle a toy French poodle, a standard French poodle, or a teacup? Yeah, did you get them from Quebec? You know, is that why he's a French poodle? Anyway, uh, exactly. So let's chat about the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. So again, your title with them is... I'm the regional unit manager for Niagara. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm confined to Niagara specifically, but that's where I'm kind of located and that's where my home base is. Um, and yeah, I go all over um, pretty much the GTA. Uh, I go out towards Guelph and I've even been to uh, Stratford recently, Barry, Aurelia, uh, doing blood donor clinics for Canadian Animal Blood, Canadian Animal blood Bank. Yeah, a lot of people aren't aware that there is a a uh, Canadian Animal Blood Bank or just an animal blood bank in general. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd like you to cover a little bit of history for us if you could. I also would like to read. Uh, I know that one of the mission statements is on the Facebook page, uh, and that is to collect, process, and distribute canine blood products from volunteer donor dogs nationally and we're going to talk about donor clinics and lots of questions for you as far as that goes to your knowledge do you know uh what year the canadian animal blood bank was born yeah so in 1996 it started out in manitoba um <clears throat> and it was not canadian animal blood bank it was manitoba animal blood bank um and so they basically worked out of the school there uh to teach as well as to supply manitoba dogs um with blood products and it grew from there ever since. So now we're in five provinces um, and we basically will supply all of Canada the best that we can, uh, much needed blood product for, for canines. Do you know if the founder or founders were in the uh, medical field with animals or in the veterinary field? Yep. So one of the, one of the uh, main doctors, Dr. Mould, he is a veterinarian um, and he was one of the, um, one of the guys that started it. Um, and he's still on the board. He's still with CABB currently. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, so he knows exactly the need um, and saw the need grow over the years from 1996. Very good. And and the need is strong. You need blood. Mm -hmm. And many dogs need blood. Um, so I wanted to ask you if uh, you have any numbers as far as to date how much blood has been 
collected? Do you have any idea? More than what? I mean, even if you don't have... I don't have like actual numbers no. of how many what? units we've collected. Yes. I know currently we have over 900 over 900 active donors registered with us and that's within our five provinces um we're always 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 looking for new donors um just to because we have donors retire too um and so we're always looking for new donors um to supply yeah. uh canada with the much needed uh, blood product it uh, a lot of the problem is is we can't meet the demand um, that is needed. So that's why we're always actively looking and we're yeah. trying to tell people that we exist and that we're a thing. And we'll get it out on this podcast and all the different uh, international podcast platforms. So uh, try and remember, listeners, that if you ever miss a live episode with me, uh, Unleashed with Dave McMahon, that you can always go to Spotify or any other podcast platform and, and hear it. And then you can share that podcast with people so we can get the message out that we need canine blood and 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 that's really important uh so does the organization only collect blood from dogs yes so we currently we um just collect from canines but we're more than happy to help supply and uh, give support um advice recommendations for other things for like cats or other kinds of species um that anyone's inquiring about they can just call our head office um and our head office is located um in winnipeg so they just have to give them a call and then they'll get help as much as they need. Some commonly asked questions. Uh, I'd like to continue with that if we can. Uh, you know, often people will say, you know, is donating blood painful or uncomfortable for my dog? Um, I would say no. Uh, the most, and I want to say the term painful, uh, I want to use it loosely, is we require our donors to sit still for about five minutes. So that's that's why we ask for our dogs to be fairly docile, um, easy to handle at the vet's office, things like that. Um, but the actual process is not uncomfortable. It, it's not painful. Um, if it was, we probably wouldn't be doing it. Um, so it's just a matter of getting um, our donors to, to stay still and lay still and tolerate uh the donation process um, for about five minutes and that's about it and is there a specific minimum age required for a person who wishes to have their dog or puppy be a donor is there is there an age requirement like would donors come as young as you know four month old pups or not necessarily no so uh we start our dogs generally between our, well anyone can register their dog between the ages of one and eight years of age unless they're a giant breed like a saint bernard or a great dane we usually will say about like uh, 14, 15, 18 months, depending on how they're growing, because they take a little bit longer to grow. Um, so we just want to make sure that our pets are fully grown. Um, and then we'll start them between one and eight years of age. And we usually, if everything goes great and the dogs are handling it well and they come out of the donation process fine and they're healthy up until 10 years, that's usually when we'll retire them is after 10. Yeah, and the dogs get a get a prize or some sort of a certificate for doing such a great thing. Talk about that. Well, the perks that we get from uh, donations, uh, like we we like to offer our donors, are um, they will get a microchipping if they are not already microchipped after their second donation. Um, they will also get every five donations they get a medal. Uh, there's bronze, silver, and gold. 
um, that they'll get. Uh, they get a little uh, blood donor passport book. They also get their um, heartworm and tick-borne disease testing uh, done for them annually. Uh, as well as for their very first donation, they get a, um, a bandana as well as a CABB blood donor tag for their um, collar. But a lot of people like to use that as a keychain, which I'm happy with because people, it'll get people to ask questions. Um, and then heaven forbid that their pet ever require a blood product, we will supply them um, as many units as they've donated. So if they've donated once, they'll get a unit from us. If they donated 10 times, they'll get 10 units if nice. they need it. So they'll get that back as, a, as help for you know their treatment if they ever need it. Now, what about the owners? Are in all cases the owners staying with their dog during the uh, you know the, the the blood donation process at a clinic, or are they just relinquishing the leash and their dog and handing it to um, you know one of the technicians that's going to take blood? Talk about that. Sometimes the owners a, a hindrance in the process, or are sometimes the owners helpful in the process of uh, having their dog donate the blood. Absolutely. So. That's a great question. So before COVID, uh, owners were absolutely involved in the um, actual donation appointment. Um, with COVID and the restrictions, uh, it became a little bit harder for them to actually be in the clinics um, just because we were having a hard time getting in clinics, let alone getting owners to come into clinics as well. Um, but since a lot of the restrictions have lifted, we are happy to have owners come back and be a part of the donation. Um, you know, they just have to be okay with blood because not a lot of people are. Um, and a lot of times to, uh, it's very helpful because their pets will calm down a little bit more with other owners. On the flip side of that, sometimes the, the dogs like to party a lot more when the owners are there. Yes. And people typically <clears throat> yeah. will know what their, their dog is like at the vets. So sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm better off. Your The dog is better off just with you guys. And we're happy to do that as well. Just just me and my team that are there to help. Um, but no, we love to have the, the owners be a part of it because we want them to see that there's no harm to their dog. Their dogs are appreciated, valued, given treats, loved on, all the things. And it also gives them a feeling of um, helping, being a part of the actual donation process uh, so that they can, you know, help spread the word for us. Um, because all, like you mentioned earlier, all of our donors are volunteer donors. Now, they obviously don't volunteer themselves. Their owners have to volunteer them for for them but um we are we rely heavily on those people so we want them to be a part of the process so that they have a good experience do you think that the local veterinarians within uh let's say our niagara region of ontario are doing a good job uh as far as bringing it to the attention of their patients about uh, donating blood I think not specific to the region. I think just as like veterinary medicine as a whole, um, the the education for people about uh, the blood potentially needing blood down the road. That's something that's never talked about really. Um, and I mean, rightfully so. You're not going to bring it up at their puppy appointments to say, hey, down the road, your dog might need a transfusion or hey, down the road, your dog would be a great donor. Um, I would love for that conversation to change a little bit just so that people kind of understand that we exist. Um, because the majority of the people who find out about us are because they brought their pet to the vet and they have needed blood. And, and so that's how they find out we exist because they wonder where they're, the, the, the vets are getting the blood from. They're getting it from us. Um, and so, 
you know, they will then sign up any of their healthy pets to be blood donors as well. So I think it's a conversation that would be great for people to have um, in veterinary medicine, uh, just just when they're in their annual appointments and if their their pets are very well behaved and they have dogs that meet the criteria to say, hey, you know, we have local blood donor clinics happening, even in Niagara, um, your dog would be a great candidate. And I do have quite a few clinics that have been really helpful in recruiting um, new donors. Uh, usually it's because their staff have donor dogs as well. So they kind of put the word out there, but it's not t- typically talked about. Like I said, I understand why, because it would be awkward to bring that up. But I think if more people put out the word, um, more doctors talked about it, or had even just some like signage or pamphlets in their clinics, yeah. would be really, really helpful. The pamphlets in each clinic would be so important. Yeah, absolutely, because then it brings up a conversation. Um, and I'm more than happy to supply any clinics with pamphlets or literature that they need. I'm happy to come in and talk to staff about any th- questions they might have, just like how I did with your um, with your training facility, yes. um, and just to help us recruit more dogs. Do you think that the OVC could be doing more, the Ontario Veterinary College, as far as perhaps having a representative from Canadian Animal Blood Bank come and do a little chit-chat talk with the veterinary med students to create awareness about the importance of this issue? That would be great, but OVC has their own blood donor program. Okay. So they do their own um, blood donor program. They have, there's a, we're the one that supplies all of Canada, where OVC, um, and there's a couple other referral hospitals in the GTA that kind of will supply more local, more local clinics. Um, But they know exactly, OVC also knows um, the need because they also see, really sick pets there too um, because they're the teaching referral hospital as well and uh, they have their own blood donor program there so they promote their program and we're happy to work with them they have different criteria I think for their blood donors than we do Um, and so it's just a matter of if it if they're if the um, the people have pets that meet that criteria and are in the Guelph area and they want to register them there, they can too. But we're also very happy to have them. Important to mention that it's a non-profit organization, the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Absolutely, yeah. So we're a charity organization. So a lot of people will say, oh, I, I have a small dog. I don't, I, it doesn't meet the criteria. It can't donate. Well, that's, that's fine. We would love you to promote us. And two, we also, you know, we'll take like financial donations as well to help support us and keep us funded um and you know like i said we're a registered charity so you get tax receipts and things like that as well um but it does you know it does take a a a village to run this machine that we are um and and get the get the blood product out there to all of canada now as far as fundraising goes uh, i'm sure that's a wide spectrum Yes. So I know a lot of the fundraising um, happens uh, near head office, like in Winnipeg and in in those provinces, the western provinces, a little bit more, um, just because the head office is there. So they have a lot of the admin people, the board of directors are located there um, so that it's easier for them to do. Currently in Ontario, there is uh, three regional managers. 
for all of Ontario. So, I mean, Ontario is a really big province. Um, and there's me in Niagara, there's one Kitchener-Waterloo, and there's one in Burlington. So we're kind of close together, um, hoping to expand on that down the road and in the future. Um, we used to have one out in on, in Ottawa, um, but we no longer have that depot anymore where we process the blood and then we distribute it. It's now located out of Burlington. Um, but it's just a matter of funding because every regional unit manager has a kit that needs to go along with them when they do the clinics. And a lot of that the machinery, the the equipment that we use is, is quite costly. Um, so it's just a matter of being able to acquire all of that equipment and get it out to more people. I'd love to be able to host uh, a fundraising event at the Dave McMahon Dog Academy in Niagara Falls by the way of a fundraising barbecue at some point. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? we would love that. You know, and, and I think that's something that we need to nail down a, a date so you and I can chit-chat about that. Absolutely. You know, at another time. Just to continue with some commonly asked questions that you get and the organization gets from the administration is um, about the blood types of dogs. Do dogs have different blood types? And uh, I was hoping you could kind of do a deep dive into that. Yeah, so we, uh, when we blood type the dogs, uh, we typically are blood typing them for the DEA1 um, positive and negative antigen. Uh, And so the universal blood type in dogs is the negative. So that's kind of like O negative for people. Um, and then there's the positive. We accept both types of dogs. We don't discriminate. Um, but obviously, we would love dogs that are negative and have a lot of negative donors um, to be a part of our pack because that's the kind of blood that is needed for an emergency situation, um, anything like that. So, yeah, we do test for the two types of um the, like the two blood types with our testing um, and that's typically when they go to a referral hospital or they're blood typed because they need blood that's typically what they test for as well excellent and uh what are the blood products used for? Um, so, I mean, this is kind of a big question in a way. Yeah. Uh, so, a lot of the blood products that we make are used for exactly... the Between human and animal medicine, there's a lot of similarities. So, the actual packs that we use to collect the units is the similar to the ones that they use for people um, when people donate blood. Uh, but the treatments are a lot of the same. So things like cancers, um, certain types of cancers, uh, like leukemias, anything where they're going to be, the pets are going to be anemic, any autoimmune diseases that kind of will affect the bone marrow, the immune system um, can also produce uh, illnesses, which will make the pet anemic. Uh Things like rodenticides, when pets eat rat poison, they might need things to help with their clotting factors. Um, Surgeries, traumas, um, some breeds are predisposed to uh, bleeding disorders like Dobermans, things like that. Um, And so we make products that will help in the event that they need something foreseeable. Like if they know that they have a dog, uh, like a Doberman, who's going to have to have a surgery, who has Von Wildebrands, then we can supply them the the blood product or potentially plasma if that's what they need um, to help make sure that everything is safe for that that pet to have a surgery. Um, so yeah, we make several types of different uh, products. Um, and yeah, the treatments are very similar to those with humans. 
So often people would assume that a dog is going to need blood in an emergency situation if he was maybe hit by a, a car or sustained some sort of a, a drastic physical accident and lost blood. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. one example. That's one example, and that's one of the few that you rarely see. Um, it's more cancer treatments, um, things like hemangiosarcoma uh, that we see a lot in our bigger dogs, as well as um, the, it's the immune-mediated diseases, too, that people don't think about. Um, those are the ones that just kind of pop up out of nowhere, and the pet is anemic um, and losing blood, and that's when they need it. And that's basically one of the main treatments is to give them blood until their body starts responding. Does the organization accept community volunteers? If so, what would the criteria be? Yeah, so we accept volunteers um, on our website. I believe there's some information there for how to register to become a volunteer. I think you have to be at least 18 years of age um, to volunteer. Uh, We're happy to have... um, students who are looking for volunteer hours as well as registered veterinary technicians in Ontario for sure Um, if we have any RVTs that volunteer we will supply them with continuing education credits which is really big to help keep their um, their registration up Um, which is really cool which is really cool and also too for a lot of the clinics that are like um, just family like your your family veterinarians it gives those technicians a skill because we'll let them actually take a donation um, and collect a donation so it gives them a skill that they wouldn't get to do in general practice Um, so it kind of also helps them boost a little bit of their confidence and give them something new that they just learned Excellent, excellent. And so uh, how else can people help? I mean, there's got to be opportunity for people to get involved in different ways. Should they proceed to the website to discover other volunteer opportunities that might exist? Yeah, so you can obviously, we recommend going to our website because we have FAQ there. We have a lot of information there for people, um, as well as our events on our Facebook page. We post all of our events and more information. We're also um, on TikTok and we're also on Instagram. Um, So we're always, always looking to have people um, register their dogs to become donors. That's the number one way to help. Um, And they would register them online, correct? Yeah. So there's our registration form online. It's just a form that the owner has to fill out and then they have to bring the bottom part of the form to their family veterinarian. And their family veterinarian will fill out the, the bottom portion that basically just goes over their vaccine, their health status, um, things like that. Uh, and so if for potential registration um, and potential donors, we require dogs to be uh, between one and eight, unless they're a giant breed, um, to start at 55 pounds or more. And the reason why we're strict on our 55 pound rule is because the um, amount of blood that we do take from our donors, it has to be safe for them to donate it's just like when humans go to donate um they have to be 110 pounds or more it's just the volume we want to make it safe for our donors um and so they have to be 55 pounds or more up to date on their vaccines or have a titer um that says that they their their vaccines are still um are still good um and then it's just an overall good general health um we there are some criteria where uh 
if they still have a couple of little issues, they can still become donors. Um, we're happy to reach out to their family vet and give them um, the information on what type of things like hypothyroid dogs, things like that. They can still be donors as long as they're regulated. Their okay. vet determines them. I to was going to ask good. you about the thyroid issues. Yep. And now another big thing too is um, we accept dogs that are raw fed. Not a lot of people will, um, not a lot of Previous donation places or or donor clinics, they don't accept dogs that are raw fed as donors. We do Um, as well. You know, you probably know this too in Niagara and all over Ontario with the tick population. There's a lot of Lyme positive dogs showing up and we accept Lyme positive dogs as well as that they're not symptomatic um, because they actually need the vector of the tick to pass on the Lyme disease, not through blood. Um, so there are some, there are some, you know, uh, ways to become donors if they're not 100% healthy. And I mean, by not 100% healthy, I just mean that they might have like an issue here or there. It's always good to reach out to us and we're more than happy to answer those questions. If they're, if they think that their dog meets the criteria and might have an issue, we're happy to help. When you're hosting the donor clinics, are they typically held at a veterinary clinic? Are they ever held at, let's say, a community hall or a building of some sort? They're not. And the reason why is because we need a licensed veterinarian on premises. They don't They don't actually participate. Um, it's just we need to have a licensed veterinarian there just in the event that there's a reaction. It's similar to like when people donate, there's a, there's, um, a registered nurse there um, to oversee everything just to make sure everything is going okay um but yeah so we do have them in clinics just because we need that veterinarian there so an individual makes an appointment their dog qualifies they want to bring the dog to a donor clinic to donate blood typically how long is an appointment going to be for yeah so um if you if people are interested in registering for a clinic if you go to our uh, events pages um it'll tell you who to reach out to so there'll be a different email address depending on the area uh just reach out to that regional unit manager or and and ask them the questions we're happy to give you the registration forms um and, and guide you through the process um each appointment is about a half an hour in length from start to finish Uh, and that's because the actual donation is not a half an hour in length but all the preliminary work that goes involved in the donation um, process it takes about a half an hour so every time um, somebody comes with their dog we ask them the same standard questionnaire Um, a lot of what we do very much overlaps the human donation um, aspect of donating blood so we ask them a standard questionnaire um, just to make sure that there's no changes or anything like that to their health and if they donated before we ask them about their previous donation and how they recovered after that Um, then we will do some preliminary blood so we'll um, just check for anything like anemia just to make sure that it's safe for them similar to like how people get their hemoglobin checked Um, we'll listen to their heart we'll take their temperature make sure that that's all good Um, and if everything goes in everything is in perfect values and everything there's no concerns then we'll go for the actual donation the donation itself takes about five minutes um like the actual donation i mean the dog might be on the table a little bit longer than five minutes because um after they donate we just like to have somebody holding off and making sure it's just like when you sit in a chair after you donate blood you have to hold it for a little while just to make sure everything's good um and then yeah then we take their picture they go on social media and away they go (laughs) 
uh, we bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing. People are very happy because they like to see their dogs posted on social media and be involved in social media. Um, whenever people's dogs, I find people who have dogs that are like therapy dogs, they're very passionate about that and they like to to boast about them. It's the same goes with our donor dogs. So people love to talk about their donor dogs um, and and post about them. So they're proud, and they should be, and they absolutely should be, and we're proud for them. So uh, you know, a lot of it. If you go to our social media, you can see like sneak peeks behind the scenes of what we do and how the dogs are treated and things like that as well. Um, and then, yeah, they get shout outs every time they donate. Which is cool. Um, now, I know the answer to this question, but I have to ask it anyways, because a lot of the listeners are going to want to know. Uh, you know, what part of the dog's body is the blood taken from? Right. And why, of course. Yeah, so we go in their jugular vein, um, which is the vein that's in their neck, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's a large it's a large vein that we can use. Two, um, because it's large, it makes the donation a little bit faster. Um, and also, we put them up on a table and we have a vacuum. And the reason why we do that is because... We can't really pump the jugular vein like you could with your hand or a leg. You could kind of um, make it go back and forth to kind of pump the blood a little bit. But we also have to factor in the, the our dogs are, you know, laying there cooperating with us for a minimum of five minutes. And they're on a time constraint themselves, right? Because they don't understand what's going on. Um, and so we want to do it as fast as as possible so that they're not in any any duress by laying on their side usually they're not because most of our donor dogs love belly rubs anyways um, and so they're happy to lay there and get treats but we go in their jugular vein because it's a it's a large vein and also because of um, timing because because it's bigger we can get more blood out of the vein as well and like I said they're on a table to help with gravity and a vacuum just to make it go a bit faster. I, I know that from speaking to some lab technicians that take blood from human beings, there are certain people where they have found it difficult to get the vein and extract the blood. Do you ever have this as a problem when taking blood from a dog? Oh, geez, that didn't work. We're going to have to go in again and retry. Yeah, so... Um, we usually have a one poking rule, um, because we don't, That's good to hear. Yeah, we don't want to poke, um, multiple times. Um, and I, I mean, it's just like any phlebotomist, you have good days, you have bad days. It also depends too, like, um, when the dogs are at family vets or if they've been somewhere before where their jugular vein's been used a lot, um, you know, we'll make notes on their files if one vein is more cooperative than the other or if we can see a vein or feel a vein better than the other um, to try to use that vein. And also, like, just a good rule of thumb is to rotate if you possibly can between um, using the left and the right vein. Um, and, like, it's just, an, it's just basic anatomy. Like with golden retrievers, they're giant dogs, but their actual jugular veins are quite small. Um, so hitting those ones can be a little bit challenging but once you get used to doing it you you go by feel and and it's fairly easy i always tell my donor 
owners that when we start to do the preliminary blood we go in one of like the front legs or the back legs and I said don't worry I'm usually better at hitting jugulars than those because that's what I do all day every day is hitting the hitting the jugulars so yeah it, it, you're a woman that goes for the juggler we go for the juggler we gotta get you a t-shirt yeah, that says that we do and that's we should probably have CABB ones that say that but um yeah that that's it, you have good days you have bad days you can never predict um but yeah, for the most part, when the dogs are cooperative, we also shave the area so that we can see um, what we're what we're doing, and then we do a, like a surgical prep on that area to clean it, just to make sure we want the best quality um, that we give to to pets that need it. So, it, quality control is another big thing that we we um, value at CABB. Which is excellent. Is there anything specific that someone should do uh, an hour before their appointment or an hour and a half before the appointment? Is there anything they should do maybe as far as uh, backing off on what they feed the dog or how much exercise they should give or... I, well, it, it, it's dog dependent. Uh, some dogs I have I that are just full of excitement. I usually will tell the owners, you know, the day before and then the morning of the appointment, tire them out because the aftercare is really important um, for after they donate. Um, but feeding them, um, if they can be fasted for six hours, that's great. Um, if, if they're fed before they come, that's okay too. Um, but yeah, so we, we typically like docile dogs. That doesn't necessarily mean dogs that don't do anything. So we have a lot of dogs. You don't want a wet noodle. Right. We (laughs) don't want necessarily a wet noodle, but you know, um, one of the things that people wonder about is, well, my dog's very excitable. My dog's very excited when comes to the vet and is very happy and, and, and likes to party. And that's fine because a lot of times once we get them up on the table, and we get them into the position to donate, they're all business. So we never, I never discourage anybody from attempting to sign up their dog. And usually when we do do these, um, when we do have the clinics and they come, especially for the first time, even the second time sometimes, I don't base it on the way the dog reacts on the floor. It's when they're up on the table. Um, we don't force any dogs to do anything that they don't want to do. If they're not having it, then we'll just tell the owner, you know what? Thank you so much. This isn't for them. Yeah. And we don't want to force it and make it and a you would abort the, you would abort the mission at we that point. We would abort the mission 100%. Yeah. And I've had a few dogs that even sometimes when you get them up on the table, they don't they they don't want anything to do with it and that's fine. Then it's not going to be the it's not going to be the thing for them. Um but yeah, some of the dogs that are excitable on the ground, I'll just say tire them out because afterwards we'll send home we send home um an aftercare sheet. Um and it's basically they just relax and rest for 24 48 hours. I usually will have owners bring them either in on um for after the donation, a gentle leader or harness, because we don't want any neck pulling um, on their neck for a good 24, 48 hours afterwards, because like we do go in the jugular. Um, it's just like when people donate, they wrap up your arm and say, don't do anything for the day. Don't lift anything, that kind of thing, because we don't want to put any pressure there. Um, and then they can go to business as usual after that time. Lots yeah. of access to fresh water. They can eat whatever they want. They just can't go, you know, you don't want to take them to come donate blood and then take them to the off-leash dog park, you know, that day and, and have a, a play session with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So we have to be careful about that. Yeah. What is the temperature of the blood as far as um, 
when you take it, typically, some people don't know, uh, and also what temperature does the blood have to be when it's stored uh, in the fridge? Right, so, you know, that's a really good question. Nobody's ever asked me that, and I've never thought to... Um to take the temperature of blood. Do you remember off the top of your head? Or I don't what? remember off the top it of my head. It may come to you if we press on to something else. How long can the blood be stored for at the blood bank? So, Is there an expiration date yeah. on blood? I'm assuming there's got to be to some degree. Yeah, so it's just like people. It's, uh, so our... Um, we store it, it de well depending on the blood product that we make so there's things like plasma which will be frozen um, and then there's things like uh, whole blood or packed red blood cells that will be stored in the refrigerator I do believe for whole blood it's uh, or sorry the packed red blood cells so that's basically all red blood cells that's 35 days I have not processed blood um, for quite some time so I that I, I believe it's 35 days is what we use for expiration. It's a little, it can go a little bit longer, but we want to make sure that it's the most quality that they can get. So after a while, the, the blood will start to die down um, and then it's no good to anybody. So that's why we have a, sh a little bit of a shorter date. I believe with people, it's 40, something like 42 days human blood is, is good for um, stored. But with us, we tend to go a little bit less than just because we want to make sure that it's 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 exceptional product, quality product that we're giving to the, the vets to use. Now, is it safe for me to assume that you wouldn't have to discard any blood that has expired due to the demand for blood to begin with? A hundred percent. So, yeah. So, uh, blood is always, 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 always in, in need. Um, and plasma is one of those things that isn't is used as often. So we usually store quite a bit of plasma um, because we can have it stay be stable and usable for a year. And then after that, um, it won't be fresh frozen plasma anymore. It'll just be frozen plasma, and it'll be that. I think is good for. Can't remember. I want to say something like five years. It's a it's a quite a while um, that they can use it for. Um, and yeah, it it we are going through blood like you wouldn't believe so and like i said we take positive and negative blood types excellent uh the social media handles let's talk about that and the website let's start with the website if people want more information about the canadian animal blood bank the website is canadiananimalbloodbank.ca and of course you have a facebook page canadian animal, animal blood, blood bank. bank yep instagram canadian animal blood bank and TikTok. I was thrilled to hear you're on TikTok as That's well. That's new, yes. And I'm not on TikTok because I, I think I'm too old for TikTok because I don't understand how it works. <laughs> but we are. Um, and I think it's Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Right on. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me on my Unleashed show slash podcast. want to remind the listeners that this episode will be available on all the international podcast platforms within the next 24 hours. Fingers crossed. As long as our man does what he's supposed to, which he will. David Rotella, shout out to him. Thanks, David, for taking good care of us. And Leslie, I want you to have a doggone awesome day. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining me again. Thank you so much, Dave, for being a good advocate and promotion for us. And if anyone has any questions, go to our website, you know, register your dogs. We need the dogs. We love the dogs. We want the dogs. And you will be helping save the lives of many other dogs. 
Thank you. Keep up the awesome work with the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Have fun with your horse. Thank you so much. And your dogs. Thank you so much. You too with your puppy. Thank you. All right, everyone. We're out of time. Hope you have a doggone awesome day. See you later. Bye.